As I alluded to at the start of the service this morning, we're, we're talking about values, core values that we have as a congregation. And all of us, from all of us, I would say, have uh, core values or kind of core principles that we, that we live by, that function um, in our lives. And whether or not we've gone through kind of uh, a formal process to identify what those values are to us, um, all of us, uh, we function by them. Uh, they're the things by which we, we make decisions. They're the things by which we evaluate whether this is a, a good idea or a bad idea for our lives. And so uh, we, we use that as this kind of filtering mechanism um, as we make decisions and as we function in life. And um, individuals have uh, these core values. Um, organizations, um, churches have core values. Nations can have core values. And again, um, we don't always take the time to identify what those things are, but it's important that we do that um, so that we can, you know, r- you know, really filter and, and evaluate the decisions that we make. And so we as a congregation about eight months ago uh, kind of set out on this process to identify um, the core values that we have as a, as a church. And we uh, came up with seven of them that are printed for you on that insert in your service folder. And uh, what we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at what each of those values um, is and, and what it means for us as a congregation. And this morning we're going to be talking about biblical authority, um, which applies to us as individuals and uh, as a congregation. And uh, as was mentioned last week, these values that we have um, really kind of serve as a, um, you know, when you're building a house, if you, uh, Kurt, you want to go ahead, if you're uh, building a house and as you... Um, take the time uh, when you're putting together the foundation. Um, as you put in a lot of thought and effort, um, you, wanna, you want to make sure that the foundation of the house is correct because if the foundation is off, then the, the house will be off. Um, if the foundation is correct, then the house will be correct. We as a congregation, if, if these, you know, the foundation, the, the core values that we have, if those things are correct, if those things are godly, then the things that we do as a congregation, those things will be good and those things will be um, godly as well. So we are uh, taking some time to really look at what these values are that we have. And uh, today, last, or last week I should say, last week we looked at uh, the value that um, we need to be Jesus-centered in everything that we do. And uh, I'll just say that that's really kind of the catch-all, the most important of the seven values that we have as a congregation. Um, Really, all uh, the six other ones that come in after Jesus-centered, all of those really kind of support um, that first one that we have, that everything that we do will center on Jesus. And if we're off there, then everything else will be off. So we really want to make sure that that one is most important and that we get that one right. Now today, um, as we talk about biblical authority, just going to spend a few minutes here now just talking about the Bible itself. Because... While every week we come here together, and every single week we say, you know, either look at your service folder, or look it up on the screen, or look um, in your Bible if you brought one along, look at a a certain section of Scripture, Um, I just want to take a moment to really talk about just how um, amazing and incredible and unique that that is, that we can gather together 
Uh, we, can, we can sit down, we can pull out a Bible, we can read it, and we can study it together on a very regular basis. What we're doing right now with the Bible, we're doing it together, it is nothing short of a miracle that we are able to do what we're doing right now. And I think it's really important for us to just talk about how big of a deal this book that we look at on a very regular basis, how big of a deal this book actually is. Um, this book, um, the book that we oftentimes refer to as Bible, uh, that word just literally means a book. Um, the word scriptures, another word that we use a lot, that word literally means writings. And uh, both of those words are synonymous for um, this book, which is really a collection or a library of 66 um, separate books that are all put together. 39 that we call the Old Testament, 27 that we call the New Testament. Uh, those 66 books written over a time span of 1,500 years by some 40 different authors that have been preserved now for thousands of years that we can study them today. Now these 40 different or so authors, um, they, have, uh, they come from a, a wide variety of life circumstances. Uh, some of them uh, were well-educated, some of them had no education, some of them were young, some of them were old, some of them were married, some of them were single, some of them were rich, some of them were poor. Um, just a, a wide variety of people um, that God used to write down these writings that we have today. And as you, as you look at that and you realize how God used these people to bring about this book. And when you stop to consider that this book that we have called the Bible is the most powerful book that has ever been written. It is the most, you know, the best-selling book by far that has ever been written. It, it, it's just truly amazing that we have it here with us today. Especially considering the fact that there have been so many people who have lost their lives. There have been so many people who have shed their blood to make available what we have here today. And if you think about it, <clears throat> most of us <clears throat> have probably multiple copies of this book. Most of us probably have you know, a book at home, maybe next to our bed, maybe a book in the car. Most of us probably have a book that we think is um, too precious to touch, and so it just kind of sits there at home. Um, we have it on our computers, on iPads, on our phones. We can have access it anywhere. And yet, for the vast majority of time that those things have been written down, what's in that book, for the vast majority of that time, what, has what is written in that book has been unavailable and kept hidden and secret from people just like you and I. And there has been great opposition to keep this book from being available and widely read like we're doing today. And so again, it is nothing short of a miracle that we have it with us today. Now, you might be wondering why such opposition to this book? 
Why have people given their lives to make this book available? Why have people shed their blood? And why would people take life? Why would people shed blood to prevent this book from being well read? Well, I already mentioned that this book is powerful. And this book is powerful not because of the 40 authors that wrote it down. This book is powerful because God worked through those 40-some authors to give to us what we have today in the Bible. Now, if it's not simply human beings that wrote it down, but it's actually God who gave writers words to write, then the power of this book comes from God. And the power of this book is in the message that God then wants to communicate with people just like you and me. And the message that, is, that God wants to communicate with us, this message that has, has the power to overthrow kingdoms, this message that has the power to change societies, this message that has uh, the ability to, to change lives, to transform lives, to impact eternities, This message all has to do with one person, Jesus. And I hope that right there you see that as we're talking about core values and as our number one core value is that we are Jesus-centered, then the, the thing that we hold up as authoritative for us as individuals and as a congregation, the Word of God also is Jesus-centered. And it, it changes everything. I mean, if you think about it, again, this is nothing new for you, but the historical events that are recorded in this book have shaped our entire Western culture. Our calendar is based upon the historical accounts of that book. I mean, we have a B.C. before Christ and an A.D. in Anno Domini, the year of our Lord or the coming of Jesus. Uh, we have all of that as part of our society and our, as our world because of this person, Jesus. And what we're going to do today as we look at just a few verses from 1 Peter chapter 1 is what we, we want to talk about. What is this message? What is the power of this book that we have and why is it important for them for us then in our lives. And so we'll turn to First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 23. We'll start off there. And we read, For you, Peter writes, for you, believers, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Peter says that through the Word of God, which we've identified as the Bible, through the Word of God, we are born again. We talked about that phrase a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, um, but just to kind of quickly review that, that whole idea of being born again, I mean, you think about it, when were you born the first time, right? That was a physical birth. You were born to your parents. Um, The Bible talks about the whole idea of being born again. What it, the Bible talks about, what the Bible means by that, is a spiritual birth. When we are, are you know, previously separated from God, now with a spiritual birth, we are, are born again, and we now have a spiritual life with God. And that is this kind of underlying message of Scripture, the whole thing pointing back to Jesus, this whole idea that human beings are sinful, that human beings on their own are separated from God, that human beings on their own cannot have a right relationship with God. But 
God sent Jesus into this world. Jesus came as a human being just like one of us, lived on this earth, lived a perfect life that we could not, went to a cross um, not to save himself, not to make a name for himself, not to, you know, um, get a gathering of people just to kind of follow him for a little while, but he went to the cross to take away the sins of the world. He went to the cross to die for us, to die for human beings. And that is the message of Scripture. That is the thing that Scripture comes back to time and time and time again. And Scripture says, God says, that through that message, people like you and I are born again. People like you and I are given a new life. We're given a new relationship. We're given a a new standing before God, a standing that says, yes, you've done wrong, but I don't hold that against you. A standing which God says, I love you as my dear child, and I've made you my own. Just like in baptism, God this morning claimed Evelyn as his own, that God claims us as his own. He puts his name on us. And we enjoy the benefit of that. Yes, the benefit of what Jesus did, but how do we learn that? How do we know that? It's through the word of God. And it is the authority then that we have in our lives. It is the thing that we turn to and go back to and where we learn more about who God is. We learn more about what God has done for us. Learn more about God's love for us. We learn that all through the Bible. And as Peter says, it is the living and enduring word of God. Again, it is nothing short of a miracle that we have that message today. It is nothing short of amazing that we freely can gather together and study it and learn it. And it can have power in our lives and it can have power in the lives of others as we share it with them. And so we want to make sure that as a congregation, we want to make sure that as individuals, we we humble ourselves underneath the authority of God's word. What does that mean, humble ourselves underneath it? First of all, uh, we, we humble ourselves underneath God's word and that what it says we know is important for our lives. And that what it says is not just a whim It's not something that is just that was culturally acceptable, but it now is no longer culturally acceptable. We understand it and we humble ourselves underneath it as the word of God. And so we we humble ourselves underneath it. We also recognize that the authority and the power of God's word is the thing that changes lives. And for us as a congregation, that is so important for us to have as a, a value, a core value of ours, because the, you know, it can, it can become very confusing or it can become very easy for us to confuse what is powerful in what we do. It can become very easy to look at things of this world, whether it's science, whether it's math, whether it's ideas of other people, and look at those things as authoritative, to look at those things as, as powerful, to put our confidence in those things. And I'll tell you, it's not our ability. It's not our efforts. It's not our wisdom. It's not our intellect that changes lives. It's not what we do that has an impact on people. The only thing that changes lives and changes eternities is the Word of God. 
And so we as a congregation and we as individuals need to come back to that authority of the Bible in our lives. Now, the reason for that, besides the fact that it's the Word of God, is that everything else outside of the Word of God comes from people just like you and I. And Peter goes on and he's going to tell us about people just like you and I. And he goes on and he says, verse 24, he says, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. I don't have to tell you this, but all of us look in the mirror, unless we're really young, but all of us look in the mirror and, and we notice things that 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years ago, they weren't there. Um, there are wrinkles that didn't used to be there. There's gray hair, or in some cases no hair, or less hair than there used to be. There's sagging this and sagging that. There's bulging this and bulging that. You know, over time, the glory of man, the human body, it fades. The wisdom of man fades. The intellect of man, of human beings, it fades. And so again, for us to try and trust, for us to try and find confidence in our efforts and in our abilities, apart from the Word of God, is where we become foolish and lost. And so it's really important for us, again, to come back and understand that everything that we do as a congregation and everything that we do as individuals needs to come back to the authority of the Bible in our lives. Because it, and it alone, has the power to change lives. Peter kind of wraps this up, and he says, But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. <clears throat> the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Over 4,000 times in the Bible, a phrase like the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord or something similar is, comes up. Over 4,000 times, the Bible tells us exactly what it is. And it is the power and it is the authority of God. And it will stand forever. Everything else in this world is temporary, right? Styles, worship styles, are temporary. Um, ideas and efforts to, to reach out, um, they're temporary. Personalities, friendships, uh, they're temporary. Those things change. This congregation, just like any other congregation, these Christians here today, just like every other Christian in the world, these human beings, just like every other human being in the world, is going to go through changes, is going to see changes, is going to experience things change in their lives. It's a fact of life. But there's one thing that ain't going to change. There's one thing that is going to remain the same, and that is the Word of God. There is one message that will remain the same throughout the rest of the you know, time. There is one message that is going to impact and have the power to change lives and eternities throughout the rest of time. And that one message is the message of Jesus. 
That one message is what God did for us, what God has already accomplished on our behalf. And so we, as again, as a congregation, we come back to, not that we, we ignore everything else, but we come back to, and we realize that the Bible, that the message of Jesus, that everything in Scripture points us back to Jesus, we realize that that is most important for us. And I hope that as you leave this morning, I hope that you realize, again, that when it comes to the Bible, it's not a, you know, I never want to stand up here and say, go home and you got to read it. You have to read that book. I hope you realize that you get to. That we have such a great honor that so many people before us have never had the chance to actually sit down and read it. That so many people before us had to, you know, wait for somebody else to try and tell them something about it. But we can go home and we can gather together and we can study it and we can hear over and over and over again the message of Jesus, the message of forgiveness, the message of God's grace. That that can't be taken away from us because that word of God endures forever. And that it changes and it's changed our lives forever. Ever. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for a chance to study your word today, which brings us life and hope and peace. We pray that as individuals and as a congregation, we would read your word, study your word, and that through time in your word, we would be transformed and renewed and made wise for salvation. Lord, we thank you that you have preserved your word throughout history so that we could be here today to enjoy it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of baptism through which you place your name on us and claim us as your very own. We thank you for the gift of faith that you worked in Evelyn's heart this morning. We ask that you would protect her and guide her throughout her life, keep her close to you, we also ask that you would be with Hans and Beth as they continue to raise up uh, Evelyn and their other kids to know and to trust in Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we also raise up a prayer this morning on behalf of Aaron Jothan. Uh, Aaron is a three-and-a-half-year-old who uh, is very close to uh, coming home to see you in heaven. Lord, we know that, uh, that likely his time here on earth because of the cancer is very short, and we ask that... Uh, you would keep him comfortable, that you would uh, take him peacefully to be with you in heaven. Please be with his parents, Mike and Summer, um, and, his, and the rest of the family. Uh, allow them to find confidence and peace and comfort um, in knowing that uh, Aaron will be with his Savior, Jesus. Uh, we ask these things in uh, Jesus' name, and we also continue by praying.